Welcome to Uncommon Real Estate, where it's all about finding creative solutions for real estate agents and investors. In exclusive mastermind conversations with some of the brightest minds in real estate, you'll learn how to earn an extra six figures a year. Don't follow the herd. Be uncommon. Here are your hosts, multi-millionaire real estate agent and investor, Chris Craddock and Jeff Safright. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Craddock, and my co-host, Jeff Safright, is stuck in an appointment that ran long, so it's just me today. But talking about one of the topics that I am super excited to talk about. With that said, I want to just dive into who we are, what we're about. So uh, we run a team that I believe now is a billion dollar real estate team. We're actually uh, looking, we're right on that verge of uh, of the billion dollars sold. So I believe that we've crossed that uh, billion dollar threshold. Um, we're talking about what it is to be excellent in our craft and to build wealth. And wealth is when your money works harder than you work. So a lot of people can get wealthy by inheriting money or winning the lottery. But for the rest of us, um, the way to get wealthy is to be excellent at what we do and then make wise investments. And then when our investments outperform the time for dollars that we spend, that is when we start winning. So today, we're talking about the front end of that again. And we are going to shift over over the next few months and start talking about the back end of getting wealthy through investments and what investing looks like and where am I investing and you know how do we save money on taxes and all of the other stuff here in the next uh, couple months. But for today, we are talking about the front end. How do we, if you are a real estate agent, make money by being excellent at your craft? And so today, we are not talking about getting new clients. We are talking about wowing our clients that we already have, getting them to say, this is awesome. So that at the end, we will get new clients because everybody says, oh my gosh, you're going to buy a house. You need to work with my buddy, Chris. He did an awesome job for me. You know, so that is what we are going for. That's who we are and what we are working to do. All right. So. With that said, here's the rule. Number one rule. If you're writing anything down, which one of my life principles is always take notes, sit in front and take notes. Those are some of the life principles. So if you're taking notes, here is the thing that you need to say. If a client ever calls you, you have not done your job. If a client ever calls you, you have not done your job. Here's why. Um, there was a show that my wife and I, like I love at night before we go to bed, my wife and I watch, uh, you know, probably one, one or two episodes of some sort of show. And, you know, in the last few weeks, last week or two, we've been finishing succession and I've been hitting play and play and play as you can probably see when you see me that I've got bags under my eyes. Um, it's because I've been staying up late watching succession and just finished it. But the uh, show The Bear is about a guy who has a um, who has a, who's working in a restaurant, right? He was, I believe, the chef at uh, French Laundry, and uh, and again, it's a, it's a fictional story. So he was a chef there, like one of the best restaurants in the world. And his brother, who owned this little dive shop, passed away and left it to him. So he comes back and he's working there and. 
you see the difference between where he was originally and where he is at this dive shop. The dive shop, everybody comes in, they're like, yeah, what do you want? All right, take it, take what you, this is what you're getting. If you don't like it, you can screw off, you know, like that kind of a vibe. And one of the guys that was working with him went and uh, worked at a Michelin star restaurant and, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, they're working at a Michelin star restaurant. And the whole idea is um, to give an experience that is incredible. You need to, you need to know what they want before they ask know what they want before they ask. And so this, the idea was um, they're walking around the restaurant and they're just listening to what people are talking about. And this one restaurant was in Chicago and um, they said, they overheard somebody saying, man, there's this deep dish pizza I wish I would have gotten before I flew out tomorrow. And so he goes back and said, hey, they talked about this deep dish pizza from this other restaurant. And so one of the people in the back just starts running to the restaurant, orders a pizza, comes back, they, you know, cut up pieces of the pizza and then they garnish it so that it's this amazing deep dish pizza with all the garnishments and everything else on it, because that's what they do. They hear what people want and they give them what they want. So when we think about our job, we are in a customer, we're, we're in a problem solving business, but we're in a customer service business. And I'm going to share one more thing before I dive into what we should be doing and how we should be looking at it. So <clears throat> for me, when I first started, I did a really good job. I'm high eye uh, disc profile. So I, I want to make sure people had a great experience. We did it together. It was super fun. Well, then I got super busy. And when I got busy, um, I wanted to make sure that the people got the best price when they were buyers. I negotiated the heck out of the deal. So they got crazy good deals. When they were sellers, man, I negotiated the heck out of it. Man, I was the hammer with a smile, the velvet hammer. Uh, but I was the hammer, which is another story when we talk negotiating. Never be a total jerk when you're negotiating. That is one way to lose every negotiation. And when you win, it's still losing. Um, it's a small world out there. And so you want to be able to be likable. People want to work with people they like. But um, I was kicking butt for people, but the experience wasn't a wow experience. And so I wasn't getting people super, super, super happy about the experience for that period when I was so busy because I thought all they wanted was the best deal, the best prices when they wanted also to feel good about the experience. And that was mind blowing for me because I'm like, you got a great place. That should make you feel good. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but it didn't. And so I had to go back and say, what would make them feel good? And then you realize that the number one complaint that all like across the board, if you look at every study, they say the number one reason, the number one complaint against real estate agents is always the same thing, lack of communication. And so when you think about it, let's say somebody is home and a, a showing happened. They're a seller and a showing happened, right? During this showing, uh, the people came in, they stayed a little bit long, and then they left. You get a call from the agent, from your seller saying, hey, how did the showing go? 
What happened in the seller's mind? Think about it for a second. They're sitting there, they're thinking, they're wondering, they're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, is Chris going to call me? Uh, what, what happened? Why am I not hearing feedback? What's going on? There's an open loop. And so for me, one of the things that I all, I, like I fight hard not to have anytime I have a business call, anytime I have any call, I say, what is the next step? Because if it's, hey, let's just circle back there's an open loop. You never want to leave an open loop. Open loops are so terrible because it allows your mind to run wild. So what we say to the sellers is we, we set expectations at the beginning. And all of this communication stuff is through setting expectations. So we say, hey, listen, when, when buyers come through the property, um, if we call them immediately after they've walked through the property, it makes us feel desperate, seem desperate, and it cuts off our legs to negotiate. So what we do is we allow for the weekend to pass. They go through the weekend. And on uh, Monday, we call through everybody. And oftentimes, agents are off on Monday. They're not working on Monday. A lot of the properties will go under contract on Monday. And so we'll call through. We'll hear back from them sometime Monday or Tuesday morning. And we will do our call uh, every week to review what happened over the last week, every Tuesday, right? What that does is we don't say at 10 a.m. We don't say before noon, we say on Tuesday. And if we say on Tuesday, it needs to happen on Tuesday because if it doesn't happen on Tuesday, if you get busy and it happens on Wednesday, you've lost trust with them unless you have told them on Tuesday, hey, um, can we connect tomorrow instead? Um, but you cannot miss your call on that day. If you, if you say Tuesdays are your call day. Well, what that does is it keeps them from thinking through what's going on here, what's going on here, and calling you. Because once they've called you, they're they're nervous, they're freaking out. So always, always, always call them before they call you, right? And then you got to say, where are the areas that I know that I know people are going to call me? Okay, and so these are the areas, right? When showings happen, after open houses. Uh, when an appraisal happened, oh, that's a big one for sellers. They're always like, hey, so what did it appraise for? And then you got to go back to them and say, oh, well, it's the buyer's appraisal. And, you know, they don't usually share it. And if they do share it, it's bad news because that means they're going to negotiate a lower price, right? So you tell them ahead of time, hey, just want to let you know um, the appraiser is going to come through, but the buyer owns the appraisal because they pay for it. And they almost never share their appraisals unless it's it appraises low. So we really don't want them sharing it, um, but they just almost will never do it. It's, it's industry standard that they don't do it. So I just want to let you know that we're probably not going to hear about the appraisal until they either say they're at value, but they won't tell us the price. Or um, if we do hear, it means that they're probably low and we're going to have to you know work through that negotiation. But when you tell them that ahead of time, they may give a little bit of pushback, but then when they understand that's normal, then, then they don't, then they're totally fine. So, and I'll give an example of, of why it's important to hear that's normal, right? Everybody wants to know it's normal. So I have a, uh, I have a lump on the top of my left hand. And um, so I went into the doctor because it was a little weird um, that I have a, a bit of a lump there. And um, the doctor looked at it and he's like, oh, yeah, no big, that's, that's no big deal. And then he was like, mm, actually, let me send you to a specialist. And so he sent me to a specialist. And as soon as he says no big, he said no big deal. And I was like, okay, good. Then he said specialist. And I was like, 
ooh, I don't like to hear that. That's not something that I'm I'm happy to hear. And so, uh, so when I went in, he looked at it. He's like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "You uh, you played sports and and whatnot. Yeah, you probably just you know just the hitting of your hands all all those years growing up. It's just a calcium buildup. Um, it's it's really not a big deal." And uh, he's like, "It's normal, you know, for people that have played a lot of sports where their their hands got hit." And I said, okay, good. But the, the fact that he said it's normal just made me feel really good. And so that's what everybody wants to know. They want to know that it's normal, right? And so when you say it's normal not to get the appraisal number ahead of time, that's great. But if you say it after they ask you, then their mind's going to run and be like, wait, that doesn't seem right. That seems like, are you backtracking? Can I trust my agent? Can I trust my person? All of that stuff goes through on there. And so you want them to know that things are normal, right? That's the, uh, that's the key. Um, okay. So that's it. Um, it's normal. Now the other places, where are the other places that, uh, you know, buyers, right? If they're getting a good deal, um, most appraisers are, are lazy. So we want to tell them that it's normal for appraisers to just come back right around contract price. So I've got a, a property right now is an off-market deal from a seller of mine, a friend of mine who, who just wanted an off-market deal. And um, I've got some investors that were looking for a great deal. And um, they got a deal like, I mean, all the comps are in the high fours, low fives. They got a great deal on this property. Um, but I also knew that appraisers are lazy, right? And so the appraiser, I, was, I just said to him ahead of time, hey, want to give you a heads up. Oftentimes appraisers are lazy. So don't be surprised if it comes back at value. And sure enough, it was a 425 purchase and it appraised at 426. All the comps are in the high fours, low fives, right? And it was, it was crazy, but I knew it was going to happen because so often appraisers are lazy and they just rubber stamp the, the price. If it looks good, yep, contract price. So that's, uh, that's the deal there. But you need to tell them ahead of time. So the whole goal here is everybody, everybody, everybody needs to know what to expect. Expectations um, are important. And uh, when they call you first, it means they're thinking about stuff, they're worried about stuff, and it's just not a good place to be. So that is it. You want to give your clients a wow experience? That's it. Now, let's talk uh, last thing, um, closing gifts. A lot of times people will give closing gifts of like a gift card or something else like that. Well, if you give somebody a gift card, it, it's gone, right? Done. But we, we use uh, branded cutting boards. Why do we use that? So that every time they pull it out, they see our name over and over and over again. We used to do Cutco knives. I love Cutco knives. I bought a Cutco knife set. Like, I think they're awesome. Um, I don't sell Cutco knives, but I probably should because I, I, I do love them. Um, <laughs> but uh, um but we used to do the Cut Connect branded uh, knife because every time they pulled out that red knife, they saw the Redux group on it, right? But when you give them something like a flowers or whatever, those they die. When you give them something that's gone, it's gone. You want to give them something that lives in perpetuity in their house. Every time they pull it up, boom, there it is. You know, a picture of their house with, you know, the Redux group, um, you know, sign, you know, there, I don't know, whatever it is, but but do something that lives on with your client. And maybe the cutting board breaks or other things happen there, but just know that this is a good way to um, build 
uh, lasting uh, memories in their mind where they say, wow, and they're, they're super thankful for that. Last thing is this, there is a law of reciprocity in the universe, right? When you give somebody something, they want to give you something back. So um, I called a steakhouse that is one right near where we live. And I, I asked them if they'd be willing to give us some gift cards that we could hand out, right? The guy ended up giving me $10,000 worth of $25 gift cards that you could only use, like you can't, can't use more than one of them in a sitting, but you could use that plus a gift card, um, but you can only use one of the $25 per sitting. And so I just started handing these out to all my friends and everything else. And the, the reciprocity that comes where people are like, oh man, like we've all been given a gift before where we're like, oh, this is, this is nutty. Like I, I owe this person something. I actually heard Alex Ramosi talking about that with gum. And I told my kids to start doing this. He said that, uh, you know, he, he didn't really have that many friends. And uh, I don't know that he's phrased it like that, but like he, he wasn't super popular in his class. He started bringing gum and handing out gum to everybody. And everybody's like, man, it's hard to hate somebody that like gives you for stuff, right? Like that's it. You know, all of a sudden you're like, all right, well, this, this guy's pretty cool. He gave me gum, right? My wife used to say uh, for me, you know, I, uh, you know, I get hit up by lenders and stuff all the time. And if I didn't have going, something going on, I would go and uh, I would have lunch with them and, uh, um, you know, get a steak or a coffee or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I really like that person. My wife's like, you literally are so easily bought by a steak. Are you kidding? And, but that, that's that whole idea is like when somebody gives you something, it's hard not to like them. It's, it's, it's really hard not to like them. So um, with that said, if you want to wow your clients, just go to the different places. Like there's a mission barbecue right near our, our place. Right. So I would go to the mission barbecue um, and I said, Hey, any chance, you know, we, we give stuff out. I got like, 25 little free sandwiches, right? The people will give you stuff to just hand out for free. You don't have to pay for it all the time. So those are just little things you can do for clients to make them say, wow, to like you, I want to give you more stuff back. So with that said, I hope that helps. We're going to finish early today because there's no reason to just drag it out just to drag it out. You want to make your clients say, wow, never let them call you first. You want to make your clients say, wow, give gifts that don't even have to cost you anything. You want to make your clients say, wow, make sure that you're thinking ahead of them so that, so that you are anticipating what they want, what they need and working to give them that. So hopefully that helps for you. Hopefully that serves you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. We are doing a uh, 90 day ramp up, uh, coaching program. So if anybody is interested in ramping up to have a great fall and really set themselves up for uh, 2024, how crazy is it that we're talking through that right now? But if anybody wants to do that, please uh, pop me a DM at Crad Rock and uh, you know jump on our Facebook page if, if anybody wants to discuss, uh, if you want to discuss any topics that uh, are helpful there, it's Uncommon Real Estate. Till next time, Go kick butt, take names, make people say, wow, I cannot believe this. Go get it. Bam. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Uncommon Real Estate. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest mastermind conversations from Chris, Jeff, and other uncommon real estate industry leaders. If you love this podcast, please write us a review. And to fast track your real estate career, go to chriscraddock.com. 